0: You're listening to 100 PM in New York City, episode 50. 100 PM is the show where we're interviewing 100 expert product managers across five great cities to bring you all the actionable advice you need to succeed in product. Today's guest is Mike Fishbein, host of This is Product Management. If you'd like to learn more after the show, be sure to visit our website at 100productmanagers.com, the web's fastest growing resource for hot topics, recommended resources, and online learning. I'm your host, Susanna Bate, product coach and founder of the Development Factory. Let's dive right in and say hello to Mike.
1: I'm Mike Fishbein, host of This is Product Management.
0: This for me is very cool because I have been a longtime follower of the podcast and hopefully many of our listeners are already familiar with This Is Product Management. But why don't you just tell us very briefly what is This Is Product Management for anyone who doesn't know?
1: Yeah, very excited to have this conversation as well. Good to meet you for the second time. I guess the first time was at the industry conference. This Is Product Management is a weekly podcast that's featured product leaders, business executives, technologists, authors, consultants, who have expertise in a wide range of topics that are relevant to modern product managers. Uh, We've done about 125 episodes now. I've had guests from companies like Adobe, Under Armour, Spotify, Shopify, a number of other really impressive uh, large companies and startups.
0: I think... You and I might be part of a very small sample of podcasters focusing on the product community. Lots of uh, shows about founders, lots of CEOs, how I built this company, how I built this NPR, which is a great podcast. Why did you decide to start a podcast about product management?
1: Yeah, so working with a company called Alpha, which you know is the producer and sort of the the fuel behind this is product management you know we're working with uh, product leaders at some large companies and we started you know acting like product managers and sort of understanding what product managers need and what product managers want and what we found was that there was really a lack of resources around modern product management best practices and this is in part because product management is still a relatively new field and it's kind of evolving really quickly as more and more people Sort of try different strategies and adapt to to modern technology. So product managers just didn't really have resources to learn that type of stuff. It's not something you can really you know get a degree in in, in business school or college. And there's certainly some you know some great blogs out there and and some other resources. But we wanted to you know really create something that was uh, modern and can be really you know, provide some some in-depth resources on, on topics that are, are most important to product managers. So yeah, it was really understanding what product managers need. And then from there we sort of tested it out. We said maybe podcasts make sense because uh, you know, product managers often commute into work. And podcasts are just a really amazing medium. I listen to a lot of podcasts as well. It's just a fun, fun medium. So we said, Hey, let's let's launch a podcast. We'll we'll see how it does. If it if it doesn't do well, we can scrap it. And if it does well, we'll we'll keep going with it and we'll keep building on it. And unfortunately, it did get, go really well and we got some tremendous feedback and tremendous pickup uh, pretty much right out of the gate, which is very exciting and rare. And then it's kind of you know, just grown slowly but consistently ever since. And it's been about two and a half, I think almost three years now.
0: Yeah. You said you're at episode 125 and counting. And, and just to share with you, so when when we decided to launch 100 Product Managers, that was you know, that's the name, right? We so said, we're going to talk to 100 product managers. Thought that that was very clever and an appropriate number of people to start to tell a, a fairly consistent story of what is and maybe what isn't product management, and then I don't know somewhere around episode twenty three it was like a hundred is a lot of product managers. So you have like surpassed a hundred. When are you going to stop? Are you ever going to stop?
1: <laughs> it's a good question. I can I can remember yeah similar phase ar- around you maybe 20, 30 episodes. You know, it's like how many how many topics are there out there? How many people are there out there to talk to? how many, you know, different show titles can we come up for product management? But it's almost like the more I've gotten into talking to all these amazing product leaders, the more sort of topics there are out there that are worth worth covering. The more I've gotten to know listeners and started you know, getting emails and having conversations with listeners to understand what challenges they're working on at work and what they're trying to learn about, there's just been a never-ending, you know, list of topic ideas and, you know, as the sort of, this is product management community has grown, you know, guests start recommending other guests and listeners start recommending guests and, you know, as I just meet more and more product managers, I just end up, you know, meeting all these other amazing product managers that I want to have on the show. So it's, uh, it's, it's actually gotten easier the more episodes we've done.
0: Yeah, we get a lot of great feedback from our listeners. And it's exciting when you hear people write in and say, you know, thank you for creating this resource. And it's been tremendously helpful for me, as I make my transition into product or that one episode and that one person's story about how they used to be a pilot, and now they're a product manager. That's exactly my story. And then, you know, you feel validated for putting in all of this effort.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I really love just hearing from listeners and, you know, how specific episodes have have impacted their work or or their careers. And yeah, it's just it's just been uh, great meeting all these great people and and, uh, learning what they're trying to work on and helping, hopefully. (laughs)
0: How did you end up as the host? So, you know, here at Alpha, you're sitting around, you're seeing this need. You determined that a podcast might be the proper format. Did you just get, like, you drew the short straw, and they're like, all right, Mike, you're in charge of this one? Uh, not
1: not too much science behind how I became the host. Definitely something I enjoy doing. It's, it's just been awesome, you know, again, just meeting and, and learning from all these amazing product leaders. So, yeah, not, not a whole lot of science there.
0: Right. Part of the reason I wanted to talk to you about this show on the show rather is because your background is in marketing so at least from what I could tell you haven't worked specifically as a product manager but just by virtue of bringing this product to life, you kind of stepped into this role now you continue to work in marketing I mean this is not this is product management is not your full-time thing that you do you have other things going on so do you think of yourself as a product manager now
1: yeah, so I'll, I'll give you kind of the, the short and the long story. So the short story is that um, producing this as product management is very much like managing a product. And I pro- apply a lot of the principles of product management in producing the podcast. So we, we should definitely talk more about that. But a little bit about my background. It's been quite a journey, a little bit of uh, testing and experimenting, if you will, along the way. So I actually started my career in finance, worked for a couple of years in corporate finance. After that, went and worked at a company called Casual Corp. Which was started by the founder and CEO of Alpha, which is you know, where I work now. So, you know, I joined very early, and so it was a small sort of startup environment. We were building a few products in-house, and we we're also working with uh, some large companies, kind of around less around product management and more around like building new businesses and sort of like co-incubating businesses. But between those two, those few areas, again, it was a studio we we're working on a number of different things. I got to wear a few different hats, including product management and doing uh, some product management, some customer development, and some early product product management and product development practices. But I also got to work on some marketing at the company. You know, again, wearing multiple hats, and so marketing became it became clear that that was really what I'm most passionate about and where I can you know have the most impact on a business. So I actually left Casual Corp and uh, started a marketing consulting and and content marketing agency, worked with some really big companies and some startups as well, some venture-funded startups, got some really great results and and just learned a ton, and worked with Alpha as well starting about three years ago.
0: Were they a client of yours first?
1: Yes, yeah. So it was really great. Just an awesome team here and just a, a really great avenue for launching the podcast and doing some other content initiatives. So eventually joined Alpha full time. And so now... you like,
0: can we have one more day? Can we have one more <laughs> day? And you're like, I'm now consulting for you guys five days a week.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, it's a, you know, the company Alpha, you know, we've just been growing a ton and it's just, you know, an amazing team here and just a really exciting time. And, you know, so I just really wanted to step on the gas and just love working with all the folks here. So join full time, continue to grow the podcast and, and, and working on some other content and community initiatives as well. So
0: when you jumped into this role where you were kind of taking up a product manager existence and taking up a marketer existence, but you've been coming from corporate finance. So were both of those roles new to you at the same time?
1: Relatively, yeah. I guess I guess they were new. Yeah, I mean, I think you know. I guess the commonality is kind of business, right? There are sort of different aspects of business, but they are very different skill sets that are needed on on a day-to-day basis. So it was definitely some learning and, and some experimenting that helped me to find where I'm best suited to execute.
0: Right. I asked the question because I'm curious if at the time you knew what product management was. Like, did you step in and say, okay, well, this this needs a product manager, so I'm going to be that guy? Or is that more of a, a retrospective viewpoint that, yeah, I guess I was working as a product manager then?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, and I think you're on the right track there. So, you know, one of the, I think, exciting things I've learned about product management after doing all all these interviews is that it's really a way of thinking and kind of a way of working that can be applied to so many other fields, Um, and so just this idea of getting customer feedback or getting feedback from really any stakeholder that you're working with, making decisions uh, based on data, testing, experimenting, iterating, collaborating with different stakeholders in the organization and outside the organization. So yes, I mean, product management sort of applies to a number of different fields, and so maybe I didn't realize it at the time. It was more of just what do we need to do to make this marketing campaign or to, to make this product work? And it turns to be, all, it turns out to be a lot of the things that product managers do every day.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of people that I speak to, whether it's they come into my class or you know they reach out directly, have this experience of, I think I'm a product manager, even though I haven't been given that title and there's these sort of indications of, I'm working here, I'm doing this, I'm working with the developers, but I'm also providing design. And so those can be indicators that you might actually be a product manager without knowing it. I'm curious if you have a perspective on how might I know that I'm a product manager waiting to be born? If I, if I don't actually operate in one of these roles, but it could be my career calling, are there symptoms of a product manager in wait?
1: Good question. And this is definitely something that uh, we've been exploring on this is product management. Again, just as you know, the field of product management is still relatively new, but fast, fast growing as, uh, you know, I think startups have been earlier to adopt these kind of practices and have been really good at implementing sort of modern management and, and product development best practices. But now what we're seeing is a lot of big companies as well are saying, you know, we've been providing this service or this physical product, and now we want to build a digital product. So we're adapting to customers uh, you know, continually involving needs, and they're sort of starting product management or new product development practices. And sometimes they're basically you know, building new businesses and building new products, exploring new markets, things like that. And a lot of these people, you know, like you said, don't have the title product manager, but they're doing product management. You know, they're, they're building out products, they're testing new ideas, they're collaborating with all key stakeholders to build these new projects. So yeah, I mean some of the skill sets that you sort of need and that would be indicative that you're, you know, could be a good product manager, I think again it's really this way of thinking, this idea of you know how can we provide value to this different, you know, customer segment, what kind of product should we deliver to them that's going to really meet their needs? And kind of having that uh, that testing and, and iterating approach to to really finding what that is and and, and bring it to market. Another key thing that I've learned in doing all these interviews is that product management is really a lot more than product management, and one of the big things is being able to collaborate with a lot of different stakeholders in the organization and, and outside the organization. And for a lot of these big companies, again, they're not used to some of these startup practices that you find. Uh, you know, again, in startups, things like uh, you know having smaller teams, testing different ideas, bringing prototypes to market, running surveys, and sometimes having failed experiments that don't work out. And so. Product managers that want to bring sort of a more agile or more lean approach or even want to start building digital products in the first place, it requires, you know, getting buy-in from some senior stakeholders, helping them understand the strategy, educating them about modern product management best practices and and why they work. So this sort of, you know, communication with, with stakeholders is also a really big piece. And I think if you can get that down as well, that can really go, that can be an indication that you're a product manager and help them really help you go a long way as, into a product leadership role.
0: Right? You said there product management is sort of so much more than product management. And as you said that, it got me thinking about you and and your kind of split paths that you were walking as product manager and as marketer. and you indicated, you know I, I was a little bit more in love with the marketing side and so continued to pursue that. But those disciplines, they really do overlap significantly. And depending on the organization in which you're operating, you as product manager may be encompassing a whole lot of what constitutes marketing or product marketing, or you might not be touching as much depending, you know, on the structure. What would you say as somebody who's kind of been in both roles distinctly? What would you say are the essential marketing ideas that any product manager should have as sort of their like minimum viable skill set?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a good question. And I, I do think it's a very important question because. You know, the goal of a product manager is not just to just to build a product and put it out there. You know, you want to get customers and you want to get users, and and this is a lot of times you know where sales or, or marketing comes into play. You know, depending on your business model and the type of you know user base you're working with, so. What are the key marketing concepts to understand? Um, yeah, good question. It's uh, so <laughs> I'm putting them on the spot. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Well, so I guess I can sort of focus on content marketing, which would be you know the area that I focus on. And so it's it's if you're trying to you know bring in customers to your product, you really want to understand who your customers are, which is something that product managers are already doing, sort of customer segmentation. Understanding what their problems are. Again, product managers are already doing this. And, you know, going back to the story I told about, you know, understanding what what product managers want to learn and whether they have demand for resources and what type of resources, what types of topics they want to hear about. So having that skill set to understand your audience. And then it's really um, creating amazing content, creating the best content out there, which is really, you know, this is sort of the, at least the 80-20, this is like the most important thing for content marketing. And sometimes it gets glossed over just because it's, sometimes it's more exciting to talk about, you know, growth hacks and all these fancy, fancy tips and tricks. But, you know, having amazing content is really the, you know, the biggest thing. Nothing else is going to work if you don't have amazing content. And then you want to have, you know, a way for people to find that content, whether it's on the iTunes app uh, or SoundCloud or or YouTube or uh, Google search or social media. There's You know, so many amazing uh, channels out there for people to find new resources and new content. So you sort of figure out where your customers are are hanging out and and where where you can reach them.
0: So far, it just sounds like marketing is product management. Product management is marketing. And I like that you bring up growth hacking because really growth hacking is just simply adopting an experimental mindset in the context of marketing, So uh, if you're a product manager who subscribes to this notion of validated learning and, you know, I call it the, the mindset of maybe, then really it's just taking that into some of the tactics that are more top of the funnel oriented and saying, how can we see what works as quickly as possible and, and swap ideas out as quickly as possible.
1: Oh definitely, yeah. And some more product management concepts. You can A B test your messaging, A B test your landing pages. You can even, you know, try out campaigns. Like I said, with this is product management. We didn't know we didn't know for sure if it was gonna work, but we launched it. If it didn't work, we could have just scrapped it and, and on to the next initiative. So yeah, there's all sorts of uh, testing and learning you can do in marketing.
0: Yeah, except now it's like Hotel California. The podcast worked and you're, you're stuck with it forever. <laughs> yeah. You can't go anywhere, Mike. Yeah. You brought up earlier, we talked about the podcast as product. And so I guess this is a two-part question. First, you mentioned product is about a mindset. So I'd just like to hear in your words, what does it mean to have a product mindset or a product manager mindset?
1: Yeah, so I, I think um, you know the way that we started. This is product management was was definitely you know the way a product manager would consider you know starting a new product line, building a new feature, or ex- exploring a new business opportunity, which is you know identifying a market and understanding if there's you know a need for a podcast and understanding the best way to to deliver that product. In this case, it was a podcast with experts in product management on on the various topics that are interested to product managers, but the Product management practices that we apply haven't, you know, haven't stopped. We're, we continue to, to get feedback from from our listeners and continue to incorporate that into the show and and even into our website. So a, a good example is, you know, again now that we've done over 100 episodes, 125 episodes, I keep hearing from listeners, I don't know which episode to listen to next. Uh, you know, I loved so and so episode and I want to listen to more like that or hey, do you have an episode for me, given I'm in this type of role, or do you have an episode on this type of topic? So we completely rebuilt the website, rebranded, and one of the biggest things we did on the website was create kind of a almost like a recommendation engine. We, We made it easier for people to find the episodes that they wanted to find. So you can go on the sort of browse episodes page, and you can filter by the category or the topic. You can filter by the level, like are you a product manager, are you an executive? B2B, B2C, Enterprise, Startup, and you can sort of filter out and find the best episodes for you. And then when you're on each episode page, we add recommendations at the bottom of every episode. So if you like this episode, you're probably also gonna like these other episodes that are on similar topics. So that you know, that was one area where you know we just had to continue to, you know, focus on our customers and and or our listeners, sorry, and uh, you know, give them what they need.
0: Yeah. Have you found that the beast is taking over a little bit? So, you know, there's an element of, and maybe I'm projecting here, you know, 100 PM started out as a side project. Listeners know that I'm active in the community as as a product management consultant. I'm active in the community as a product management instructor. 100 PM in a lot of ways was really an opportunity to assimilate some of those ideas between product management best practices and then the actual kind of going out and doing and I do feel a little bit now like it's a pot with a lid that's just like jangling wanting to boil over and wanting you know more and more attention because we get such great feedback have you had the same experience i mean this your show has been around a long time a lot of people love it i love it
1: well thank you thank you yeah well i mean you know, it is time consuming, you know, f- can't say otherwise, it takes a lot of time to produce a good show and to make sure we're getting the best guests and producing the best episodes. So, you know, it definitely, it definitely takes time. But, um, you know, two things, one is, you know, we sort of get, get the operations down where we can sort of, you know, streamline it a bit and, and, and turn it into sort of a, a repeatable process. But I think more importantly, it's totally worth it. Um, it's, it's just been an amazing experience. You know, I've again met like over, over 100 amazing product leaders and and folks around the product management sphere. So it's just been an incredible way to build a community. We've got an amazing audience, a pretty large audience at this point, and it's just been a great educational resource for product managers. So definitely time-consuming, but also uh, definitely worth it.
0: (laughs) You mentioned earlier in our conversation, topics are sort of always presenting themselves, and, and I'm sure there has been some some topics have probably surfaced multiple times but each time you know you're iterating on that or you're taking a slightly different approach is there uh, one or two specific topics of interest for you that you have found are either the meatiest or the most underexplored or just what is what is that evergreen content for product managers because it's just so deep
1: yeah, there there are a lot of great and important topics worth exploring in product management, just because you know they haven't really been shared all that much, and because they're they're still being developed, because they're still being figured out, because it's such a new field, especially digital product management. So you know whether it's hiring or you know getting customer feedback or management, uh, leadership, design, user experience, you name it. I guess the topic that's been most interesting to me, just personally has been the kind of uh, communication skills and collaborating with different parts of the organization and collaborating with the C-suite and finding ways to, you know, change the way a company is working and to sort of manage a project from start to finish. I think it requires um, some really unique skills. I managed to learn some, some really great strategies from the guests and hear some really cool stories about launching products and kind of some of the some of the battles that go on behind the scenes that you certainly don't see if we, when you're just using the product.
0: Yeah, this gets brought to me a lot. How do I convince my CEO that the decision or the direction that we, the product team, feel is right is right, especially when they are very determined that it's otherwise, and sometimes that's complicated by the fact that the CEO or, or folks in the executive suite aren't themselves product-centric in their thinking. So what can people do? What advice would you offer if if I were asking you that question? Like, my CEO won't listen to me. How can I change their mind?
1: Yeah, good question. I think I'll go to just the experts that I've interviewed who are a lot better at this than than I am and have had some great successes uh, doing so. So I think uh, the one that comes to mind for me is uh, Andrea Schneider. Her episode was on Agile transformation, and she actually works at the IRS. (laughs) So you can imagine this being you know, a particularly challenging environment for working in a faster, more iterative way and and working on digital products. So I think she's had sort of this challenge, maybe more, well, I know a lot of companies have this challenge, whether you're in healthcare or financial services, but she's definitely experienced this challenge of trying to make this shift, in this case, to a more agile approach. So one thing she shared with me was that she educated stakeholders on how decisions are made you know, I think it's it's easy to go into a meeting and a CEO says, "Hey, build this," and you want to say, "No, we want to build this." But that, you know, I can imagine that not always being the most productive approach. And and so what Andrea does is she starts by saying, "Here's how we make decisions and particularly how they do it in an agile context." So how they're getting feedback from customers and they're testing things and they're and they're continuously iterating. They're putting things on the back burner if they don't immediately make sense, but they are, you know, keeping things on the back burner. And so when an executive comes to her and says, here's an idea that I have, it's going to be amazing, go build it. And and she'll sort of say, you know, here's here's how we'll we'll approach sort of testing this. And uh, here's some of the other things that we've been working on. And here's how we came to the conclusion that we're going to build this feature. But your idea could potentially be great. And here's how it could fit into our roadmap, potentially further down the road. And so it's not just a no, because it's my opinion. It's a maybe later because here's our process for making these types of decisions
0: yeah and and whether you're conscious of it or not you know you're using that word potentially sort of over and over and I think that's an important piece is to say like yeah maybe that's a great idea underscore italicize maybe let's go see let's talk to a few people first and and just see if there's a pulse for that idea let's Put together a, a, a quick prototype or set of wireframes and show it to some people and see how they think. I mean, and, and obviously all of the different types of uh, low cost experiments that we can run that, are, that exist in that continuum between possible potential great idea and possible potential great product. So I think it is absolutely good advice. And I've certainly seen in my own experiences how challenging it is for enterprise level organizations that want to, it's like they wanna unshackle themselves from that old way, that waterfall way, that sequential mindset toward something that's a little bit more cyclical and a little bit more adaptive, but it, it is not an easy transition. I think that's why so many teams strive to be agile and uh, maybe don't ever get there or, or get there in whatever their version of that is.
1: Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've heard similar ideas from so many great guests. And the, and the data, you know, if you're testing a prototype, like you said, or, or running these surveys or, you know, doing interviews or, or whatever type of testing or experimenting you're going to do, it really helps to, to have that data and to bring that in, into a conversation and say, you know, your idea sounds amazing, but, you know, I was surprised. Here's what we learned. Here's what customers said about it. Here's, here's the feedback that we got. Here's how this prototype performed against this other prototype. And that really helps to streamline. And and definitely, you know, some environments are more challenging than others. You know, like I said, healthcare, financial services, some of these sort of environments where there's a lot of red tape, a lot of sort of policy constraints, things like that. And sometimes you do need to sort of adapt your approach. And so I think as much as, you know, as much as teams want to say, hey, we're agile, we're in the agile bucket. Oftentimes there's a little bit of adaption for the environment and just being realistic about what the constraints are and finding ways to operate within them.
0: Yeah, it reminds me, I I spoke recently with another guest about the difference between sort of teaching product management and doing product management and this idea of the classroom in some ways being a bit of a perfect or controlled environment because you have the time to make discoveries and the time to iterate and the time to get all of the foundational stuff down and then out in the real world you're constantly pinging against what i should be doing and then making those trade-offs of but we just don't have time like i know that we should probably do x and i know that that is best practice quote unquote and we've got to do this which i think applies to agile I'm, I'm laughing because I'm looking around the room. Our listeners don't know we're here, and that this is Product Management Studio, by the way, which is very exciting. But there are the like, essential uh, markings of product management was here, like wireframes and, and value proposition canvases with post-its and, and everything. How much slack should we cut ourselves about not doing everything by the book? Because if it's happening. Everyone listening here is going, oh, good. I'm not doing it by the book 100%. I'm glad to know others aren't either.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know I think starting small is is a good way to go about it. just the reality is that an organization is not going to change in a day, a week, a month, maybe not even in a year or, or multiple years. And so I think uh, you know starting small with something and uh, being able to show some results early on, like a small win and being able to build on that. so maybe, a couple guests have shared this. I'm drawing a blank on who, but uh, I think it was Cindy Alvarez um, from Microsoft. She was saying, you know, we'll just talk to a couple customers. It's, you know, we'll find a find an hour out of the day and we'll go have coffee with a couple customers and we'll, we'll learn something and we'll get a couple quotes and we'll come back and we'll share those quotes and they'll be really insightful and it's always really interesting to be able to share data about what customers are thinking and saying and then, you know, that'll that'll get stakeholders to, you know, get excited about this and we can do a few more and a few more and you can sort of keep keep building it. But um, I think trying to bite off too much, I think in a, in a lot of areas of business and maybe life too, can make things challenging. But if you sort of start small and, and keep building from there, that can really help help get things started and build momentum.
0: Yeah so how has product management changed or evolved you know even in this short time since since you started doing it and since you started talking to people about doing it in your impression is there more awareness about the role than there used to be is the role itself changing and evolving
1: well it's changed a ton i can i know that much for sure i think there's a lot of people, especially in large organizations, that are doing product management without really knowing it. Again, so many organizations are trying to adapt to evolving customer needs and, and start building digital products, which have been so successful. And so a lot of times people are getting pulled into that who may be you know, a, a business analyst or a, a business unit manager or general manager or something like that. And they don't know it, but they're testing out new ideas and building teams and, and, and building products. And, uh, yeah, I mean, best practices are you know, starting to be shared quite a bit. I think the product management, as I'm sure you've experienced, is uh, amazing. There's so many great people that are so willing to share their advice on our, both of our respective podcasts, which has been awesome. So we're starting to see sort of best practices sort of proliferate across a number of different organizations. And, you know, some of the practices from startups are, are, are getting carried into to large companies. So it's a, definitely a very exciting time
0: are there in your mind so i go back to why 100 product managers started and part of that story for me is i've got subject matter expertise and i have a very specific lens through which i've accumulated that expertise and understand it for example even though i have done a lot of coaching for enterprise clients and working with enterprise clients I have always in my own business career steered toward more startup type environments because I like the newness and the volatility and the, you know, the highs are high and the lows are low, but but you get a little bit addicted to that to that space where you can. And then I realized, but in, in ways that doesn't always make me the best person to advise somebody who might be looking for a very specific type of structured role, or might be looking for a very kind of technical product manager experience. And so by talking to 100 product managers, the hope was that other folks could begin to augment that narrative with with more sort of lived and learned experiences. I guess my question for you in regards to all of that is, are there still in your mind areas of product management that are not well understood or not well explored or are still great? Do you get letters from listeners saying, your show is really great and you've covered so many great topics and... Question mark, what is this about? You know, things that, that you think people are still out there listening and wondering?
1: Yeah, really really good question. I, I think the, the thing for me that I'm that I'm seeing, you know, again, just talking to, to so many listeners who are working at both startups and large companies, I think particularly in large companies, the hiring piece, the hiring and how that translates over into culture. And so I think when you're and, and even even within product management, like managing an existing product with 10 million users is a lot different than building a completely new product altogether, exploring a completely new business model, a new market, anything like that. And those require some pretty different skill sets. And for large companies that maybe aren't used to the sort of test and learn approach to things, where it's more about, you know, sort of optimizing an existing product, bringing in the folks who are going to bring that culture of test, learn, experiment, and and how do we really Foster that type of environment in our in our organization, even in an organization where there's not a lot of that going on already. How can we create this environment for new product development teams to be to be able to do that? So I think that's an area where definitely a lot of progress is made, uh, has been made. Um, I actually did an episode exclusively on uh, employee experience with uh, Lena Stern from Learnvest at Northwestern Mutual, and so she talked a lot about how she builds this product-oriented culture, and so, and and sort of giving people autonomy. And there's a lot of aspects to it. So I think there are some lessons being learned, but it's definitely something that a lot lot of organizations are going to have to work on.
0: I love your episode, Recall. As you were mentioning some episodes before, I was thinking to myself, could I recall every guest in conversation? And I think I can as well, because you're so kind of connected to them. But it reminds me a little bit about how this is a total tangent, by the way, listeners. I apologize. But, you know, when things happen to us in our childhood and as adults, we remember and we're like, oh, that was the time on playground, And, like, you know, Ricky Thompson did this thing. Like, you remember the first and last name of children from these experiences that are 20 and 30 years ago. It's the same. It's just like, and then, you know, Lena from Sternvest, episode, you know, 22, whatever it is. It's good. It's good. You're talking about hiring... And I do think, I I would agree with you, I think there are a lot of questions for people around, you know, how do I get the job or how do we culturally shift toward product management thinking. We were talking before about some enterprise organizations beginning to shift toward newer best practices, which has included in, in my experience, seeing folks have their titles, you know, renamed as product manager. And why that's challenging is you can't just sort of go around and then with a wand say, and now you're a product manager and now you're a product manager. You have to, I think, as the employer or as the director of that division or, or company, be prepared to invest in What does it mean to be a product manager and what is that product centric thinking? And I do think that that's a gap that sometimes employers miss is that they just sort of expect that the employee who's been anointed product manager will know what to do. They're they're sitting at home listening to this is product management or 100 product managers scribbling notes furiously. But I do think training and and product mindset shift is an important role of the C-suite to bring into an organization.
1: Yeah, training is is definitely a big piece. You know, at the very least, you know, these new strategies and tactics that uh, so many of the great modern product managers are using. But like you said, I think just getting into the frame of mind and understanding the product way of thinking and, and way of working is a really big one. Well, we're
0: talking about hiring and we do this segment on our show called Get the Job, Learn the Job, Love the Job. So I'll put you here into it. It's like the speed round. You know? What advice, Mike, would you offer to somebody listening in who is maybe working in a, a PM adjacent role or maybe they're working in corporate finance like you once did, but they have a sense that product management is the role for them. They want to get into it. They want to get a job in the role. How, how would you advise them to go about that?
1: Yeah, the one thing that I've seen be pretty effective for kind of getting a product management job when you don't already have one and you haven't sort of transitioned internally is uh, to work on a project and to find a small project to work on that allows you to display your product thinking and some of the tactics that you need to deploy if you're to be a product manager. So, you know, whether it's uh, building a simple app or or even a prototype, uh, something that might require you to work with a designer or work with an engineer to get something built, or it could be, um, you know, something even like a blog where you have to, you know, understand who your readers are, who's your, what's your customer segment, what kind of problems do they have, how can you provide value to them and sort of, you know, developing content that way. But yeah, any kind of small project where you need to use some of the skills that product managers need to have, and that you can then show, hey, I did this, and here's how I approached this, and here's how what I learned doing this can apply to my future role, can really help sort of make the case.
0: Right. Yeah, side projects. And we're living proof of side projects. What about mistakes, common mistakes? Did you, as you began your product management journey... Have some hard lessons learned on the job or, or have you seen in your experience where the act of doing product management is in reality much different than the thinking about doing product management?
1: Sure. Yeah, I can say, you know, when I first, you know, learned about product management and started doing it a bit, I sort of pictured more of the. I guess Steve Jobs sort of thinking about <laughs> thinking about big ideas, thinking about markets, thinking about strategies and just having a vision and having a vision for the future and executing on it. And that stuff definitely has a role in product management, it's an important part. But a lot of the times what you think and what you imagine, whether it be for a product or even for a marketing campaign, doesn't always play out in practice. And so you have to be willing to get feedback from customers, look at the data, look at both quantitative and qualitative data and and iterate and being able to do that can get you a long long way because then you're not you're not just sort of launching and and, and praying and launching and hoping that it works out you're continually improving and you're continually getting better and better so being able to have that type of skill set i think is um will help you go a long way
0: yeah, this visual of you like going and refunding 20 black turtlenecks after you realize this is not really co- Steve Jobs is such an interesting example because I think a lot of people hold that he's sort of, you know, one of the greatest known product managers and a lot of people hold up that example. And a lot of people hold up examples like Instagram when they think about, you know, building a successful product and, and having it be acquired for lots and lots of money. And... They're such dangerous examples because they really are the outliers, not the norm. I think the norm is a lot of companies that are somewhere, again, on that continuum between failure, got to you know shut the doors and, and do something different and wild, wild success story. And it's like that's the battleground that you're in. And a lot of the truth of this role is that it's not necessarily glorious it's not necessarily a topic that everybody discusses it's not necessarily a job that any of your friends or family knows what it is but there's a lot of opportunity for learning and small victories along the way and and lots of failures too right like learning failures but failures nonetheless
1: yeah, yeah. And this is kind of a, I guess, a heated sort of topic within the product management community, as you know. So sort of the balance between intuition and, and data. And, uh, you know, I think certainly there's there's an element of, of, of Steve Jobs in, in just about every, you know, in every product leader. And, and even while some of the Apple products may seem sort of more vision oriented and, and product like Instagram, which you mentioned, may seem like just sort of a wild, crazy idea. But I, you know, I'm not, I'm not, admittedly not super familiar with those specific product organizations, but I'm quite certain that they're, they're doing a lot of testing and iterating too. And, you know, maybe if Instagram didn't get traction within a year or two, that might have been shut down. But now they're at scale and I'm sure they're constantly A, B testing the product, what features, how should we display this, how should we display that to to get the most engagement. So there's always a lot of um, customer insights gathering going around. And I think just about every modern product organization.
0: Yeah, I think what you're saying is the work is the work either way and and be wary of just thinking in terms of the, the headlines and the success stories. There's a lot of learning that goes into to getting there for anyone.
1: Totally, absolutely.
0: What do you, Mike, love about product?
1: I love the process of uh, just learning, learning about customers, um, learning about guess what's results and sort of having this like Really scientific approach of just discovering, and uh, you know, I love being able to sit down with listeners, with product managers, understand what their problems are. It's always fun. You always learn something surprising, like you said, like I said, there's always something I think is true, and then I learned, you know, maybe maybe this this other approach is uh, is what's really going on. So that's always exciting, just to just to learn and be able to try new things and and really see what works. Do you have?
0: Favorite authors, favorite books, favorite resources? I mean, obviously, this is product management is an excellent resource, and we're going to put that up on our site as well for all of our listeners who don't know the show. But beyond the podcast that you're actively producing, are there any other resources that you would recommend for our listeners who either want to learn more about product management or marketing or business or just anything cool?
1: Sure, yeah. I mean, there's definitely. You know a ton of great resources and there's getting to be more and more fortunately one that's been inter- really interesting to me has been uh jason freed's writing and, and the work that he's done around i would say company culture and sort of how he sets up his company base camp so that his employees can be most productive and so i think the signal v noise blog is really interesting he has a lot of really counterintuitive strategies like uh you know, things around remote work and, and reducing meetings and sort of things that probably sound like just wild crazy ideas for a lot of big companies. But I really like the way he he approaches things. So it's interesting.
0: Yeah, great recommend. The guys at Basecamp you know, I, I have so much respect for them because they they talk a lot about anti-patterns. And, you know, one of my favorite articles that, that was published not long ago was all about growth. And, you know, we're obsessed with growth and, and there's so much pressure from VCs and pressure from the market to just grow, 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 grow. Don't look back. Don't ask questions. Do whatever you need to. And, you know, Basecamp, I think they've been around 16 or 17 years, maybe longer. And, they're just about building a great product, iterating on a great product, demonstrating what a sustainable, successful business looks like. I think another one is is MailChimp, you know, just like don't believe the hype, just be true to the craft and the the value will be there.
1: Yeah, it's just slow and steady and build an amazing product. And they also have a consideration for sort of more than just uh, the profit margin. I think they're creating... Great lives, great work-life balance. Have great lives, you know, outside of work, both the founders and the employees. So I think it's a, you know, like you said, just a very sustainable approach.
0: Do you have a personal or professional ideology, philosophy that that guides you through your day to day, just to help you uh, stay focused? What's your side of the mug quote?
1: Yeah, I think it's the uh, the sort of test and learn approach. So I'll say. Test and learn, it's something I've applied throughout my career, both as a, doing a bit of product management, I've applied it in marketing, and I've applied it to sort of my career overall and sort of exploring what I want to be doing professionally. And then I deploy that in my, uh, in my personal life as well. I'm kind of a uh, kind of a nutrition geek, so I'm always sort of testing out different tweaks to uh, sort of my lifestyle and how I'm eating and just sort of seeing how that affects, uh, affects my body and, and, and how I uh, perform on a day-to-day basis.
0: Mike Fishbein, thank you so much for being a part of our show. If I end up doing more than 100 episodes of this thing, I'm going to come looking for you.
1: Thanks so much, Suzanne.
0: Thank you for listening to 100PM, the official podcast for 100productmanagers.com. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe in the Apple Store at Google Play or on Stitcher or leave us a great review so others can help find us. If you want to get in touch directly, email me, Suzanne at 100productmanagers.com or visit us on the web. Thank you.